welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. My name is Ellie Herringshaw, and I am sitting again with my dear friend, Dr. Kristen Eliason, PhD, awesome person, former neighbor. Quite the intro. Now living in Oahu and surfing every single day. I think I'm most proud of the fact I lived by you and was your friend. Well, still am your friend. All that other stuff is just add-ons. But um, Kristen has been on the podcast before, which is awesome. We um, we talked about um, exposure therapy and the the therapy that Kristen gives to um, to her patients at the VA in Honolulu, where she where she really dives into helping people heal from sexual trauma, specifically. Do I have that right? That is correct. Yeah, yep. as well as combat trauma, but typically the sexual trauma is more my cup of tea. Yeah, or it's what I specialize in more. Yeah. So. So before we jump in, I'm going to give my typical caveat, as I, as I did last time, that I am not your therapist. Um, so you cannot try and sue me for anything I say on, on this podcast. I'm not giving you <laughs> advice. I'm not telling you what to do. Um, however, you should be in your own therapy. Yeah. <laughs> With as that I caveat, um, go to therapy. Go to therapy. <laughs> okay. Enough said. I think I harped on it enough last time. Yes. Yes. And if you haven't listened to that episode, highly recommend you do that because I think a lot of what we talk about today is going to be built on that. It's going to kind of be built on that foundation of, you know, we were talking about exposure therapy and how reclaiming is sort of an exposure therapy mm-hmm. because we're actively putting ourselves in a position that is fearful and that is like anxiety r- rising in us, raising, r- mm-hmm. raising in rising. us. And then by doing that, we are taking control over the thing that that feels like th- that we are powerless over it, but we're actually not. And that's what that, that's what reclaiming is. And there's actually science behind it which is really which is really cool and it's something that we can do it doesn't matter if you've you know if you've gone through you know if you're if you're healing from from sexual trauma or if you've had a near-death experience or if you're just like have had a really bad breakup and you feel like you can't go back to a restaurant that you guys went to or like hear the music that um that you would listen to together or something. You, you can go back to those things and you can you can almost re, rewire the emotional triggers in your life to have good and positive associations even. Mm-hmm. Um, because Creates new meaning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's that's been that's been the motivator of um, of what reclaiming has been for me. And um, and I think that that's what it could be for you too if you so choose to step into the areas of pain so Kristen and I have been friends for 20 years yes we have which is we go way back to very embarrassing years very embarrassing (laughs) years including Kristen's 10th birthday Mm -hmm. which um we went to Maplewood Mall and dressed up like movie stars and 10 year old versions of movie stars so like feather boas sunglasses right lots in of the, hairspray in the mall <laughs> I think we were wearing our sunglasses in the mall oh yes and as we we're walking through like we were so convinced that there were that there was somebody that like really thought that we were movie stars mm-hmm. and we were like oh yes they really think we are we were nine and ten year old best selves that day we were <laughs> <laughs> and we're still friends. Mm-hmm. So we actually just um we just went on a um a pretty short backpacking trip up to the Superior Hiking Trail and had some wonderful conversations around emotions mm-hmm. and what they are and how we respond to them. And I was like, Kristen, we need to talk about this on the podcast. 
And of course, it could have just been that we were like delirious from sleep and walking 17 miles in one day. But I thought it was a great conversation. It was. And it was had <laughs> over perhaps the best piece of pie either of us oh. has ever had. If you have not been to the Rustic Inn up north, is it is it in Toff? No, no, no. It's, it's in, in Castle Danger. It's right yes. by Gooseberry Falls State Park. Good. Shout out to Rustic Inn. And they're... French apple pie. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> and we had just jumped into Lake Superior. And so we were wet and we were cold. We were stinky. We were super after stinky. days on the trail. But if you too want stimulating conversations with your good friends about emotions, <laughs> swing by the Rustic Inn. That was a wonderful commercial for the I Rustic Inn. I was waiting Inn. for you to give me like a little do 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 Like, come on. <laughs> Dang it. Missed opportunity. <laughs> Oh Maybe next time. So we were talking about um, we're talking about emotions and then how they an emotion such as anger or um, or sadness, depression, anxiety. Um, those are often indicators for me that there's an area of my life that still needs healing that isn't quite whole. And I don't know if that's like the proper way of saying it or something, but but it's been good for me to think about it in terms of that because then I can say, okay, so actually what I'm experiencing right now is anger or I'm experiencing, yeah, we'll use the example of anger. Um, I'm feeling angry right now. I want to acknowledge that feeling for what it is. Okay, so what do I do with that anger and how, um, if, it, if that anger is a is a stimulant from something, I, um, I'm realizing that there's, that there's something that I need to do, something, something that I can step into to allow healing in that area so that I'm not experiencing anger. And not that anger is bad per se, but it can be an indicator that there's something that's not quite right. Mm -hmm. Is that right? You know, I think that anger, especially as well as really every emotion, can have different functions. So for every emotion, I think it's helpful to think about what is the actual function of this emotion in this specific day, moment, experience. Hmm. So you're right in saying that there are no bad emotions. So while we might not like to feel, say, fear or anger or sadness, that is a huge part of what rounds us out as humans and it's part of just what I mean, and it has a really functional purpose in our lives. So if I were to look outside right now and see, I don't know, like a child getting slapped, I would yeah. I would really hope that I would feel some anger because that would make me go and do something. Yeah. Likewise, if I have a close friend or family member that dies, I hope I would feel sadness. Right. right? It's like I need to feel that because what sadness does is it makes me actually reach out to other people. Yeah. If I, you know, experience an intense grief or, or loss and I, and I just isolate myself, um, if I don't feel sadness and just kind of shut that down and just kind of, you know, put my nose to, to the grind and just kind of go for it, I'm probably not going to have as much support from people, which in times of sadness, that is what we as humans need. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. So really, I mean, even those emotions, like they have a function for us, hmm. but it's more understanding what is the function for it in this moment. Right. So right. how this can look, and, th- and this is kind of the language that I, you know, use to think about it is, is this emotion a primary or a secondary emotion? Hmm. So right when something happens, is it the gut level first kind of response to it? Is this feeling? Or is this emotion something that's actually in response to something that happened way back when? So for example, and we can even just use fear, 
like say I was a kid and I got bit by a dog and so I was fearful of dogs then I go to my grandma's house and she has a cute little you know dog that has never bit a person in its life yet my feeling is fear right that's a secondary emotion it's right in response to something that happened before but actually does not fit the situation Right, because there actually isn't necessarily a a reason to be afraid of this dog. I don't know yet. For me, I want to be so in tune with my emotions Mm -hmm. where I can say, okay, I'm I'm experiencing fear. Step back from that a little bit and think, what is actually, what's causing this? Mm -hmm. What's the, what's the motivating factor? Uh I love, I love that the, the primary and secondary emotions and being able to articulate them like that. Because for me, when I was going through my divorce, I had a fear of um, of a of music, mm-hmm. of particular music that my ex-husband and I had memories, you know, listening to that music, like Cat Stevens, for mm-hmm. example. Oh. We would, we'd always listen to Cat Stevens. Cat. I know. <laughs> and and the fear that I would have is not that Cat Stevens would kill me or that would bite me, mm-hmm. but it was the fear of the emotion even, like the fear of the sadness that would come ah. over me when I would yep. listen to it. And... Um, and so would that be considered a... Bingo. That, that would be considered a secondary emotion. So which one there is secondary and which ones there is primary? What do you think? Oh, gosh. So the fear is the... The fear is the the primary emotion. No? Nope. nope. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> so the fear is the secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. And the, the sadness, sadness is the primary. Yeah. Because when that music pops up... Oh, that makes sense because the... Because the fear is about the thing. The fear is about the sadness. Yeah, totally. I don't want to feel the sadness. Okay. So I'm going to feel fear because right. what fear makes me do is run away. Yeah. Versus what sadness makes me do is lean in, sit in it, yeah, and actually process. Right. So is fear always? No. A second? Okay, it's not. No, and that's why it's confusing. So even if the primary and secondary thing is confusing, is just you know hogwash or confusing to you I think a a good way to think about it to simplify it more is what is the function yeah what is this emotion doing for me right now right so I mean in in that situation with Cat Stevens it's like okay the fear is like what would you say in that moment was the function of that the function of the fear of the fear around Cat Stevens um I mean I was I was afraid that well, uh, again, I was afraid of the sadness of it. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of all the memories that would come flooding. So it was protecting from listening you. to that. It was protecting me from, from sadness. The sadness, yeah. So then, if that's the function, then it's like, okay, do I want that function to be happening? Right. What is that function going to do for me? Well, it will keep me from listening to music that I love. Uh huh. And that I want to. I want to be able to listen to that. If the you know, if I turn on the radio and that comes on. I want to be able to um, to listen to that without feeling super sad or breaking down mm-hmm. and crying. And that's why you chose to do the opposite. However, mm-hmm. another person or even someone who might be listening might be thinking, well, duh, that's a great function because then you don't feel the sadness. Yeah, so yeah. I think it is good to acknowledge that there's both sides, right? Hmm. So there's a reason and there's a motivation for why we choose to avoid and choose to not avoid. But then hmm. it begs the question is, what is your goal here? Yeah. If your larger goal is to, you know, have have a full emotional capacity or to be able to get through this divorce or get through like whatever else, is avoiding things actually going to allow you to get through? Right. No. 
So And so then if that's the case, then you better be spending more time in your primary emotions than your secondary. Well, and that, and that goes back to what we were talking about in the last podcast, that avoidance is never, avoidance is saying that this thing is holding more power mm-hmm. um, than, than I'm giving it. Like mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm, or I'm giving this thing more power than it actually deserves mm-hmm. and, um, and m- power over, power over me. Mm-hmm. So, so even by, by avoiding or, or living in fear over music, for example, you're saying that, um, that sadness has more power over me than Mm-hmm. At least that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, it's saying that the emotion has more oomph to it than maybe it does. Yeah. And the question that I'll, you know, ask people is like, do you really know that? Yeah. When's the last time you actually let yourself go there? Wow, this is so, I mean, this is so interesting. Because, and I'm also thinking like, so when I, when I was in the midst of the pain of my divorce, like when everything was so fresh, or I mean, even even for people that are experiencing grief and stuff, there's all these floods of emotions and you're probably not able to like search out all these, all these things and put them in nice, in nice boxes. Right. But as time goes on and as we like, as we're processing our grief or processing whatever, um, big T trauma, I put putting these in quotes because air quotes, air quotes, um, like big T trauma or small T trauma that we're experiencing as that as we kind of get further away from that experience at least this is how i'm seeing it as we as we get further away from that we're able to more um more clearly identify what those emotions are and mm-hmm. um and kind of put them put them where they where they belong and i think that you know as we're talking about these primary and secondary emotions i do want to just validate that it is a confusing thing mm-hmm. and that especially if we've been avoiding emotions for a long time we might not be able to figure this out on our own. Right. You know, I mean, this is really like when it might take a trusted friend or let me yet again just plug therapy, a great <laughs> therapist. And I mean, and I mean that seriously, like we just don't know yeah. kind of what these are until we kind of start to sit with people who understand these things and they can kind of help us sort it but out. And also, if you grow up in a family that that don't talk about emotions, you may not mm-hmm. even know what it's like to identify the emotion that you're feeling no you, you might not have any words to to no be able to language say, for it yep. or no even understanding of like oh I know I'm feeling this way because my body is telling me yep. this and my thoughts are saying this and thus I'm able to identify here's what this feeling is you have no and 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 that's okay mm-hmm. but it can be a learned skill oh yeah totally yeah and I think it also and this is you know something I'm definitely passionate about but it, is just the gender aspect of emotions. Oh, preach. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where I think men really just get a kick in the pants from childhood is that, and I say this, you know, especially working with the military population, which is still predominantly male, um, but a lot of men are just taught that the only emotion that is really okay to feel, whether it be, you know, in childhood or especially if they join the military, is anger. So Hmm. anything that you experience at all, just channel it towards anger. So especially if you're active duty, like there's no space for sadness. Like you just make it anger. If you're deployed, like sadness is is not functional for you. And I say that to my vets, like it was not really functional for you to be, you know, like downrange and your buddy dies. Like you can't feel sadness. Like you got to turn that into rage to do something about it, to both protect yourself as well as to protect your battle buddies. 
but the same thing that's kind of you know the extreme but even for young boys like we communicate to them like anger and toughness and all of this stuff and then and then we're surprised like when we get you know, males who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. <laughs> so any male <laughs> at any age. And I, granted, I know I am stereotyping. There are males who are very emotionally aware, and I applaud their parents for that. Yeah. Um, Your but, husband is one of them. Yeah, my husband is increasingly emotionally aware. So, <laughs> But, I mean, that's a thing where it's like everything is just, you know, called anger, where it's like, mm, that actually might be sadness like how do you actually know hmm. that that's anger how do you know that that's anger instead of fear or whatever else right so that too um is an example kind of specifically about how the, a person's repertoire emotionally might just be really limited wow. just because they frankly never learned it and if they could they would but you know it's a little bit harder to kind of figure it out in your 20s than if right. it had just been inherently kind of taught to you and modeled for you yeah when you were two three or four that's really interesting because, I mean, and part, part of what we were talking about eating the pie. So I don't want to think of emotions as negative and positive, but that's that's how a lot of people think of them. It's true. Yeah. And I do. Like, I, I think of them like that. I think of, like, a negative emotion like sadness and anger and resentment and bitterness. Um, those are those are negative and shame. Those are, like, those are negative emotions that just, like, make you feel icky. And I don't want to feel icky the rest of my life. Um joy and happiness and contentment those are those are positive emotions that are like I could live I want to you know I want to be there during my life I want to like I want to you know the pursuit of happiness that's like mm-hmm. the American dream right when I, whenever I f- experience an emotion like sadness and anger um, those quote negative emotions I want to put those to work in some sort of way to bring me to the positive happy good emotions does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And we don't. I don't want to. I don't want to call those even negative emotions because those can be driving emotions to something that's positive, um, to those positive emotions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just kind of having, and I guess the my, you know, stance on that is that emotions are emotions. Like I see, like there's such good in all of the emotions that we feel. Um, and again, it goes back to what is the function of this emotion? It's just interesting to me that we question, question, question when it's these emotions that maybe don't feel as nice. Yeah. Like the anger or the bitterness or the rage or the shame or the guilt or, but they're all telling us something just as the positive emotions are telling us something, but, but we just don't question what they're telling us because we don't stop to think about it. And I mean, there can be a time when. I think a lot of times the emotions, if we're going to call them negative ones, like anger or sadness, it's like, okay, this might be, you know, propelling me towards doing something. And that can be very functional. And I think that's good, but I also don't want to negate just the worth of having those emotions on, on their own. So that that's a really, really good point. Yeah. Like I, w- one of the things that I was really noticing when I was, when I was going through my divorce is that if my feeling of sadness and just like depression would just disappear while I was grieving my divorce, grieving my marriage. If that would just disappear, like I wouldn't have realized how much I actually love my Mm ex-husband. Like if the pain just completely disappeared, I wouldn't have realized like how much I actually loved him and how much that relationship actually meant. Mm -hmm. So to feel the depth of that sadness, it's almost like, you feel the depth of the love, um, at least mm-hmm. when you lose a relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think that, I mean, of course, the goal for no one is going to be to sit in the sadness for the rest of their life to the yeah. same degree that, you know, it was experienced when a person died or when a relationship ended. But there's no real use in kind of rushing it along because it does teach us things and it allowed us to just have a greater emotional capacity. Right. So I think, again, I kind of always go back to what is the function of this of this emotion? Hmm. And just being curious about what it is to feel it. Yeah. Being curious about why a person might want to kind of push past it faster. Hmm. Um, like, oh, this is a negative emotion, so I'm just going to like move past that. and Or just like try and find the positive or try and find like, what yeah. it like what good is going to come from what's the silver this? lining how how can i as quickly get from sadness to happiness as possible right if that's the goal then you're probably missing out on some of the useful things that you have hmm. to learn while sitting in that sadness well yeah this is a this is a good conversation because i think a lot of the way that i have been processing it is thinking um is thinking okay so i want to dive into that emotion and just like find the area that needs healing with it Mm -hmm. and that's probably not the best way to word it because it's probably more about um what is this emotion like you're saying what is this emotion actually saying what is it pointing to and what's the fun yeah like you said what's the function of it Mm -hmm. um the function of the anger can be a motivator um but I don't want that I, I I don't want one emotion to just rule my whole life no Because I mean, too, I mean, even if the primary feeling is sadness, there can come a day or point or time or whatever else, you know, an experience where suddenly it's not even the primary feeling anymore. Hmm. It's actually perhaps a defense then against something else. Wow. You know, so that's why we have to always be checking in and continuing to be curious with ourselves of, is this still really kind of, you know, like what is primary for me or is it not? So so even thinking about you and your process, I remember back when you first found out it was like paralyzing sadness. Yeah. Oh, and for that sure. was, I think, super functional, super, I mean, normal. And I'm putting the yeah. air quotes up. Yeah. Um, but it, an important part of the process for you to feel, as well as you still feel sadness now, but now the sadness is to a lesser degree and it's sadness that actually points you towards do something. Yeah. I don't actually know if you would be where you are right now if you had not felt that deep paralyzing sadness before. I agree. So even sometimes when I'm you know, listen to these podcasts, sometimes I've thought like, man, like, I hope that people listening understand that you had to go through that to get to where you are now. You know, like, all these, you know, sadness and anger and bitterness that does still pop up for you. The reason that you're able to kind of go and do something with it and reclaim things and talk about it, do podcasts and blogging on it. Yeah. Is I really think because you allowed yourself to sit with the rawness and the deepness of, of it before. Yeah. And you weren't rushing it. No, I really wasn't. And yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And maybe one that I that I should make clearer when I when I talk about it because um and a big part of reclaiming and you know, these ex- exposure therapy that you lead your patients through is like stepping in and acknowledging the real pain, the real feeling that that thing is associated with um and and like talking about the emotions talking about the the primary and the secondary emotions that you're feeling mm-hmm. from that place um but absolutely when i first when i first discovered the affair i was i mean i was in the depths i was i mean i was i was completely paralyzed it was low i mean and you even, were in bed for days i, I was like, i just remember you saying like i've just been in bed for the last three i days. have not like i haven't moved yeah and even 
I mean, right before my right before my divorce was final last year in October, I um, I couldn't eat for a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was so depressed then, and it, that was a year after, mm-hmm. and I still I was still so depressed in that time. Um, it was a different kind of depression, but it was still depths of a certain sadness and. Um, it's it's, like it's so okay ways. to feel those things yeah. like every like that that's why I don't want to I don't want to talk about emotions as ne- positive and negative because every emotion is completely valid there's a reason that you're feeling it yeah and it's these waves or these cycles right mm-hmm. so like the sadness was so deep at the beginning and then it kind of receded even though it was still there and then it hit again around the year anniversary yep. and I think that that is even though it's not the most comfortable experience to have that mix of air quotes, positive and negative feelings kind of being those waves and those kind of cycles. It's never going to be this beautiful linear process that that we can predict. However, I think the catch area is if it feels more like you're floating in a lake of sadness for years and years and years, and there's actually nothing else going on. That is a great sign that perhaps it might not even be the primary emotion anymore. Wow. That's when it's like, okay, if you're having a difficult time seeing that for yourself, that's when you're needing to really, I think, get some help. Yeah. Get some outside perspective on kind of how you can get into more experiencing the waves, which have, you know, a mix of things in them as far Mm -hmm. as emotions go. Versus like, I'm in this sadness like forever and it's never changed for five years. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that can almost get comfortable for people too. Oh, yeah. There were were some moments where I was like just sitting in it a little too long Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was okay for a time, but then it was like, oh, this is actually getting comfortable to yeah. be, to to feel depression. The analogy I like using is it's like you're wearing this disgusting, nasty, flea-ridden, itchy sweater <laughs> that you hate, and it's ugly, and it's just like wretched. But you don't take it off, yeah, because in some sense, it's like you, it's kind of kind of cozy, maybe kind of keeping you warm. Yeah, it's comfortable. Right. sort of but it's like disgusting well and I've I've used the analogy of like it almost being like a crock pot of <laughs> of like gross and ick like you're oh. sitting in this crock pot of your festering. own festering and <laughs> yeah festering <laughs> that's such a gross word it is <laughs> but you're like just sitting in it and like it's like you're you're all of the all of those all the toxins are like just like kind of swimming around in yeah, your you're own soaking gross. in a hot yeah. tub of <laughs> of your own but gross. again in this we validate that while there's so many gross terrible nasty things about it that you hate there's also that comfort yep and oh my gosh to get out and to feel kind of that slap of coldness when you leave that crock pot of festeringness <laughs> or scary. take the sweater off <laughs> or take the nasty sweater off I mean it's cold it's like a slap in the face it's yeah. surprising it's different it's new Right. There's difficulty in doing the opposite thing of what you want to do or what you've been doing. But there's, you're, you're, it is a step forward when mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. If you, if you end up back in the crock pot, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, pain and, and grief, it's not linear. Mm-mm. It's, um, we go through, we go through these cycles and so often we end up right back in the same place that we feel like we haven't really left. Mm-hmm. and that can be so discouraging when we when we get back there but you have to know that there's been so much growth and so many steps in between those places it's like 
you're, you're never quite in the same place. Often those emotions look similar. Mm-hmm. Like the sadness will look kind of the same, but, but there's always moving forward when, when we are like getting out of the crock pot and when we totally. take the sweater off. Well, and even if you're back in the crock pot, perhaps there's one less nasty thing in there and you at least know how to get out. Yeah. Like you've done it before. Or even if you've forgotten how you, how you got out, it's like, well, I know I've done it once. Yeah. So I can probably do it again. Right. Right. And if you're, I mean, if you're listening to this and you feel like you're sitting in that crock pot and you can't get out or like the, the lake of sadness, um, like there, there's absolutely help for this. And there is, there is, um, you're not alone in it. I, I say this all the time. You're not alone. If you're feeling like you are, um, there's, there's people, there's people that can help you with this professionals, therapists. If you're in the twin cities and you, um, and you're a woman who has experienced some sort of grief or trauma or whatever, um, betrayal, um, you can join my reclaimed community and we meet once a month and we, it's really my goal to empower you to own and talk about your feelings, be honest about where you are and, um, and then and create space to take steps. Um, that's sort of the that's that's kind of the goal behind um, behind the reclaimed community. So if that's something that resonates with you. Um, get in contact with me, and I'd love to chat with you more about that to see if it's a good fit. But um, but doing it, talking about emotions with other people, is so empowering. And um, and for for people also to reflect back to you those feelings that you're feeling mm-hmm. um this is what I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. it's not that sounds like anger to me like maybe they're shrinking you a little bit but like but it's really it's um that brings so much self-awareness that that can then get you to a place hopefully where you can say this is this is the emotion that I'm feeling right now what's the function of it mm-hmm. I'm starting to talk like you Kristen I'm so excited oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> it's so good terrifying <laughs> it's so good was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Nope. That's about it. Emotions. Emotions. Yeah. They're great. Feel them all. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I, I guess the one final thing I think I maybe touched on this, but part of why, you know, if you're kind of sitting here listening and thinking like, that's great. I'd really rather just feel happiness, joy, mm-hmm. whatever else. I mean, who wouldn't though? Who wouldn't? is that you're not going to feel the highs as high if you do not allow yourself to feel the lows as low. Oh, that's so true. So it's kind of like this range, right? It's this big, long range. And as we kind of limit the lower end of those emotions that we don't like feeling, anger, sadness, whatever else, it's actually going to limit the upper range too. So it's like, okay, if you actually want to feel that just deep joy and exuberance and satisfaction – you have to have the same depth on the other end of that spectrum too. Right. So if nothing else feels motivational right now, at least hold on onto that piece. Yeah, that's really good. And I'm also reminded too that like God doesn't ever promise us an easy life. Mm-mm. He doesn't promise us that we're always going to be happy and that we're always going to be um, even joyful. Like joy is a fruit of the spirit, but um, and so we have that when we have the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a fruit of, of, um, of, you know, being plugged into the vine, but, but just, just a easy life is not a promise. And, um, and so that, and that comes with 
lots and lots of emotions too. Mm-hmm. So the goal is not just to have this this easy level of happiness throughout your your whole life, but um, what do we do with the emotions that we're feeling? Not push past those quote negative ones to um, to move on to just the happiness. But yep. amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for being My here again. Pleasure. You're heading off to Honolulu again to Oahu mm-hmm. pretty soon. Just a few days. Head back to the beach. And then you'll be back for Christmas, right? Yep. So I'll okay. be back in a few months. And then we'll hang out again. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Reclaimed Podcast. Uh, please like and subscribe, um, iTunes and um, and all the places where you can find the podcast. That's all I got today. Hopefully uh, you'll tune in next time. And in the meantime, own your feelings, process them, find a good therapist. Actually, we should do an episode on finding a therapist. We should. Dang it. (laughs) Okay, that'll be next. Okay, that'll be nice. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Reclaimed podcast. For more information about reclaiming, visit reclaimed.com. That's R C L A I M E D.com.